Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord reading from Matthew chapter 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. Please have a seat. It's my great delight to welcome Lee to um, share words with us tonight, a homily tonight. Let's pray for Lee as she comes to speak. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Lee. I thank you for the way that she loves you and serves you. I thank you for the way she trusts you and listens to you. And Father, I ask now that as she shares out of the ways that you have taught her and brought her along this path, that we will listen well and that we will hear your voice through Lee's. Help us to pay attention. And Father, I pray for your blessing on Lee, both as she speaks and then later on as she goes home. Hold her close to your heart, dear Father. Amen. Good evening, everyone. My notes say have a seat, but you already have, so we're off to a good start. It's really good to be here with you. So tonight I'm talking about fasting. And of all the disciplines that we've walked through this Lenten season, fasting may be the most obscure or unknown to us. We're each coming here tonight having had a different experience or points of view on fasting. As a kid, the only thing I knew about fasting was that the cafeteria served fish sticks on Fridays during Lent because some kids didn't eat meat. So no matter where we're coming from, um, I want to first start with some practical orienting points on the kind of fasting that I'm talking about. And then I'll go through what happens in our spirits and in our souls when we fast, and I'll end with an invitation. So first, I'm not going to go in depth into the theological points of fasting. Rather, I'll offer some grounding guidelines and points. So in our context, fasting is temporarily abstaining from something for a spiritual purpose. So there are other reasons that people fast, sometimes for political or physical reasons, but ours is a spiritual purpose. Most examples of biblical fasting are abstaining from food and drinks other than water for a period of time. But fasting can also be partial, so abstaining from a particular kind of food or drink, or fasting from things that are not food. For example, some non-food things that I or others I know have fasted from include social media, wearing a watch, staying up late, spending money on non-essential items, or listening to the radio in the car. There's a lot more, but you get the idea. Fasting is also distinct from treating an addiction. Liz gave some very good points about addiction in her sermon on October 21st, which you can find on the website, or simply ask, and someone will send you a link. So if you're aware 
or wonder if there's an area of sin or addiction in your life that needs to be addressed, please talk to one of the pastors. They'll be glad to talk with you. Three more points. Fasting can be done as a group or individually. So throughout fast, I mean, throughout Lent, we're all fasting from this word. We wait eagerly for this to join, rejoin our liturgy and Easter. Okay, we can cover it back up. <laughs> all right. Okay, we're good. Uh, but what I'm talking tonight will be an, an individual fast, so something between an individual and God. Fasting is not a standalone practice. So in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, Jesus' words about fasting directly follow his teaching about prayer. And other parts of that sermon touch on giving and worship and service and the other sermons that have happened during Lent. So if you've missed any of those, I encourage you to go back and listen to them after tonight. And my last grounding point is that there is no biblical mandate to fast, which is why I'll end tonight with an invitation. As Richard Foster says in Celebration of Discipline, there simply are no biblical laws that command regular fasting. Our freedom in the gospel, however, does not mean license. It means opportunity. So let's explore that opportunity tonight. So a few years ago, I fully lost my voice for an entire week. And one of the effects of this is that I became acutely aware of all the times I wanted to speak and couldn't. And this desire was strongest in the car when I was driving and wanted to um, inform my fellow drivers that they were not driving well and encourage them to do better. <laughs> One of the things that happens when we fast is that our desires are revealed. So though my fast from speaking was not intentional, it did uncover my good desire for other drivers <laughs> to follow the rules and to be safe. Um, another thing that fasting does is uncover our sins. So it's not simple to speak to other drivers on the road, but the manner in which I was speaking um, and my heart's attitude towards them was. It revealed this hard place of anger and bitterness towards people whose actions made me feel unsafe and inconvenienced. The third thing that fasting can do is expose our fears that God will not provide for us. My sinful attitude and behavior towards my fellow drivers was at least in part motivated by my fear that I wouldn't get to where I wanted to go as quickly as I wanted to get there. And then that would have cascading effects that meant I wouldn't get the things that I thought I wanted and needed. When we fast, we choose to create an empty space that would have otherwise been filled. And by making this whole, we invite God to uncover certain things and to fill the void with his very self. I love the opening words of the Collect for Purity that we pray each service. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known. I love them because God knows our deepest longings even when we don't. One of the things that happens through fasting is that God makes us more aware of our true desires. 
because we often try to satisfy those longings with things that don't truly satisfy. We watch one more episode because we're feeding a good desire for rest with entertainment that can numb. Or we have that glass of wine because we long to be free from worry. Recently, I found myself in the habit of watching flat lay cookie icing videos on Instagram. And if you're not familiar with this delight, there are short videos of confectioners carefully outlining and filling sugar cookies with icing and then smoothing them until the icing settles in this beautiful, unblemished sheen. Like, I feel relaxed even just describing it. <laughs> but I wasn't stopping at one or two. I was spending 15, 20 minutes watching these videos. And when I shared this with my sister, she said, yeah, it's peaceful. It's mindless, it's soothing, it's calm. And then we proceeded to watch several of these videos together. This was during a time after her husband had open heart surgery, and she and I were sharing um, the duties of caring for him and her five small children. So in the one quiet hour in between their bedtime and ours, we were filling our longing for peace and order with a guaranteed glimpse of it in these videos. But it wasn't truly satisfying. It was a temporary fix. And it actually masked the true inner workings of my heart. In the passage that Liz read, Jesus assures us that if we ask for good things, our Father in heaven will give us good things. When I stopped watching my beloved cookie videos, <laughs> I noticed my great agitation and anxiety and also my need for those things to be met with the peace that God provides. When we fast, there's an opportunity for God to reveal to us the good things that we really need. When we stop filling our bellies with stones, we become aware of our hunger for bread. And our God is the bread of life. So I wonder, is there an unearthed desire in your heart that God wants to surface and fill. Fasting can also be our response to a known desire. For many years now, I've joined friends in fasting and praying once a week for God to set a right relationships between men and women to protect marriages and to meet the desires of those like me who want to be married and aren't. This intentional time of fasting gives me a place to go with my longing and all my connected emotions. It's a time when I say to God, I long for something that I cannot bring about on my own. And my response to that is to give up more with open hands and trust you to bring about your will. In place of resentment or bitterness, I regularly take my desire to God and entrust him with it. So I wonder, is there something you know that you long for that you need to steadily put in God's hands? Fasting can also uncover our sins. Several years ago, after a holiday weekend, I found myself searching on Facebook for photographic evidence of the great weekend I had just had with friends. And I was so disappointed that not one person took a photo 
and posted it on Facebook. And then I found myself looking with jealousy on all the other photos that people had posted of their weekend, and I was wishing that my social status were as documented as theirs. And the Spirit convicted me. So I fasted from social media for a while. And in that time, God dealt with the sin that had my heart in this place of jealousy instead of gratitude and celebration. In Romans 12, St. Paul encourages, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Through the physical discipline of fasting, we offer a sacrifice to God. We give up something. And through that, God can reveal that our priorities might be out of order. They might be causing us to do those things which we ought not to do, and that we are leaving undone things we ought to do. So I wonder, is there a habit you've formed that's more of a priority than it ought to be? Is there a place of sin that God wants to uncover and meet? And lastly, fasting can expose our fears. So usually, or if you're like me, we hold tight to something in our lives because we're afraid of what will happen if it's gone. And we aren't always even aware that that's happening. By intentionally removing something through fasting, those fears can come rushing in. Think about trying to dig a hole in the sand on the beach when the tide's coming in. The things that we use to fill time can be distractions from our pain and our fears about them. So if I don't check all the sports scores, how can I keep at bay that unsolved problem from work that keeps spiraling in my head? And if I don't keep up a certain beauty regimen, what will others think about me? And if I don't end each meal with something sweet, what will I have to look forward to? Last week, Megan encouraged us to practice confession in prayer. Not just confession of sin, but to honestly confess what is true and where we are. And these are wise words as we look at fasting. So I wonder, as you think about fasting, what fears come to mind? And could you tell them to Jesus? When we fast, there's space for all of these raw things to be exposed. Desire and sin and fear. And there is space for Jesus to meet us in our lack and provide the good gift of himself. It's the good news of Easter that we are moving towards. And just as on Easter, when our fast will come to an end, we'll experience the relief and joy of chocolate and beer and photos of our friends, our deepest longings and sins and fears will cease when Jesus returns. What glory! It's worthy of the word that we're not saying right now. God promises to us in Psalm 81.10, Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. So now the invitation. We have two weeks left in Lent. So if you're not already fasting, I invite you to try it. And if you are currently fasting, I invite you to try it anew with fresh eyes and heart. If you're not currently fasting or haven't ever before, I offer a practical suggestion uh, influenced by Aaron Damiani's idea in his book, The Good of Giving Up. 
first pray. And after praying, choose to give up one luxury food or drink or one modern distraction like social media or television. Food and technology are similar in that we tend to believe that the amount and frequency with which we partake are necessary when they're actually not. Now, two points of kind caution. So one is that for some people, abstaining from food or certain kinds of food is, um, is part of a past or a current pattern of disordered eating. So if you know or wonder if this is the case for you, then please don't fast from food. Choose something that won't trigger unhealthy restricting or controlling. And please also consider speaking with one of our pastors. We have a wonderful resource in Rock Recovery, a, lo a local nonprofit that provides holistic support to people experiencing disordered eating. And we'd be glad to provide information or a contact there. And the other point of caution is to be gracious to yourself. The point of fasting is not to be perfect, but is to invite God in. So if you unintentionally break your fast, like the last time I fasted from social media and 10 minutes later was back on it, uh, simply notice and acknowledge that and pray and forgive yourself and try again. Would you choose to make space for Jesus to meet your desires, sins, and fears with his very self in these two weeks? And I have one last invitation for tonight. As you come for communion, look at your hands as you hold them out, open and empty, and watch with wonder as they are filled with bread, the body of Christ. And then open your mouth wide and let it be filled with wine, Christ's blood, which he shed for us that we might not thirst again. And let that be an encouragement to you as you fast, that it is Christ who fills you. Amen.